Hello, and welcome to What's Killing My Kale. This podcast is a production of the University of Minnesota Extension, hosted by Extension educators Annie Claude and Natalie Hoytel. In each episode, we interview a farmer, researcher, or educator about a timely topic around growing fruit and vegetable crops in Minnesota. Usually we talk about pests, but sometimes we venture into other important issues of the moment. Hi everyone, this is Natalie, and I am here today with Courtney Chita, who's the farm manager of the Cornucopia Student Farm on St. Paul campus. And Courtney's been doing some cool trials with solarization, with standard plastic, and with billboards, actually. And so we just wanted to check in and get an update on those trials and see what Courtney's learned through the process. So Courtney, can you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about yourself and about the farm? Sure. So um, I got into agriculture via horticulture. I did an undergraduate degree here at the University of Minnesota in horticulture. And then um, at the tail end of that, I sort of discovered sustainable agriculture and got really excited about that. And then uh, after trying a bunch of different jobs, uh, eventually came back for my master's in agricultural education and started working with the Minnesota Institute for Sustainable Agriculture doing the student programs, which at that time was mainly the minors in sustainable agriculture. And about a year later, the student organic farm started, um, where students came to MISA and they were like, we want a place on campus to grow things organically. And they were like, Courtney, work on that. So um, we started with a tiny 20 by 30 foot plot. And now, gosh, 14, 15 years later, we're up to almost six acres. So. And yeah. you've been the farm manager that whole time? I've pretty much, yeah, been the, the farm manager that whole time. Um, I'm definitely the like institutional member of making sure we don't make the same mistakes we made two, three, mm-hmm. four years ago, or ten. Um, definitely, yeah. And make sure we're constantly trying new things, figuring out what works, and then once it works, sticking with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So something that's really cool about this farm is like you're both focused on production, and so you're operating like... I mean, not that there's any standard farm, but you're acting mm-hmm. more like a real farm than like a research institution. But you also get to do a lot of experimentation. Yeah, I would say that half of our plots or half of our fields are in research projects that are faculty, student, graduate student driven. Um, and the other half of the field is kind of in more like market garden uh, model that, that we still dabble in trying different things with. Mm-hmm in those areas, but, um, and then we market everything that we grow here on campus, and then that money goes back to, f- to feed our program and to allow me to buy supplies and hire students and all those types of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it's a kind of a real-world model with a lot more room for maybe experimentation than on most farms, I would say. Yeah. So, we wanted to interview about one specific project you've been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We know that weeds are a perpetual problem on all farms, especially organic farms. It can be really challenging to stay on top of weed management. Um, And you have been doing some exciting trials with weed control, looking at different types of plastics and solarization methods. Mm -hmm. So can you explain a little bit what that project is? Yeah, so I think like most organic farms, weeds are probably the the biggest challenge um, for us as well. And... Thistles in particular, Canada thistles, are definitely the biggest challenge that we've, we've been dealing with since, I think, day one. Um, we inherited our first field had a lot of thistles in it, and we've, we've tried lots of different things over time, everything from like doing lots of pulling and cultivating, um, and 
And we also have a system set up where we um, take chickens and we have them in chicken coops with a white Dutch clover pasture and we rotate around them. And if there's any clover at the beginning of the two-year process when we're doing that, at the end of the season, or at the end of the two years, we're going to have even more <laughs> thistles than we had at the beginning. It just seems to like the, the chickens don't eat the thistles, and the thistles seem to proliferate, I think, <laughs> under that system, which is really frustrating because otherwise it's a really great system in terms of like building organic matter and mm -hmm. adding fertility to the soil with like a nitrogen fixing legume and the chickens manure. But um, that sort of led us to this like, okay, before we put more crops in that space, we really need to control the thistles that have have grown in those spaces. Um, and so that's led us to try different things. Um, this last year, well, actually two years ago, I, I, we started out with, we had a, a particularly wet spring where it was hard to get into the field. And we had a particular area that had a lot of thistles in it. And we just thought, you know, let's go buy a big sheet of plastic and put it down. We'll bury all the edges. We had a, like a 20 by 100 foot sheet of plastic that we put down and we buried all the edges all the way around, which is fairly labor intensive, I would say. Um, but then we let it just sit there for probably seven, eight weeks. Um, and we watched as all the thistles underneath that just died. Wow. And what time um, of the year was that? This was in the spring. This was probably, I would say, May. May, okay. to May and June is when it sat there. Um, and then mid-July, we probably pulled, pulled it up and all the thistles were gone underneath. There was a lovely crop of purslane <laughs> that had not had somehow survived because we see the clear plastic it like lets in all the light, yeah. but there's no moisture, so you have to have these, you know. And luckily, that combination was enough to kill off all the thistles underneath there. Um, and that led us to think like, okay, there's there's something to this. Um, and so then a year ago, we had even more thistle areas, um, and we thought about putting the clear plastic down again, but then we decided, um, instead of doing that, because that was, very, I mean, that probably took three or four people an hour or two to dig the trench all the way around and bury the edges. Um, so instead we um, got a billboard, <laughs> a big like um, PVC essentially uh, billboard that um, was, I think it's 12 feet by 48 feet. and. Um, we put that down and weighed down the edges. It was really nice because you basically just unroll it, weigh down the edges, and then walk away. Huh. It's very, okay. it's not very labor intensive at all. It's pretty easy for like two people to move. Very easy for two people to move. Um, you know, it takes five, ten minutes at the most. Um, and then we left that again for probably, and it's, it's much thicker. It's not clear. It's solid. The the bottom of it is, um, well, the top of the top side, of it, which is actually the back of it is what we put up, and then we have the printed material going down. Um, and so there's no light that gets let in or water that gets let in. Um, and that has also proven to be pretty effective against the thistles, um, where, you know, after, I think, I want to say like six weeks is all we took there to kill the thistles underneath that. So there's no light coming in. Like, there's no light coming in, but there's no... killing them. There's no... There's no light and there's no water, so they pretty much right. just starve. Okay. Yeah. I guess I think of thistles as being able to sort of just lurk underground, underground for a long time. time. Yeah, exactly. Like, so do you know, like, that was last year? Yeah, right? so that was last year. And did year. it come back up in the same field this year? No. Okay. Yeah, so it seemed to be long enough to really starve them out. Hi, everyone. This is Natalie, just jumping in here post-recording um, with an additional segment. So I thought this was a really interesting part of the conversation, just because Canada thistle 
is a really deep-rooted perennial. It's known to be extremely hardy. Um, and I was just curious about the life cycle dynamics of why solarization would actually kill Canada thistle in the long term. And it looks like even though Courtney is seeing really good results um, the second year even after doing solarization over Canada thistle, that may not be a long-term result. It's really exciting and promising um, that she's not having Canada thistle problems this year. Um, so definitely something to be excited about with solarization. Um, but it's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on for a couple of years just because solarization does um, affect the life cycle of Canada thistle. It kind of throws off its, its system for the year, um, but it potentially does still have all that underground stored biomass and the potential to emerge again in years to come. And so just wanted to interject that. Um, but again, it is exciting that Courtney is not seeing Canada thistle a year after solarization. Um, we also did two other two other little experiments last year with cover crop, um, cover cropping bigger areas that had thistles. Um, we did buckwheat in one, and we did sorghum sedan grass in the other. And I gotta say, like I was really hopeful because after we planted those last spring, um, they there was like no thistles as they were growing. Um, and then in the fall, we you know basically mowed it all down, and it didn't seem like there were any thistles. But now this spring yet again, there's some more thistles popping up in those fields, and it's like, ah. Uh, but there's a lot, lot less, so that's at least there's that. It's so it definitely suppressed them. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't kill them the way that the solarization or the the, the billboard does. Okay. So. Can can we just back up a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about the billboard? Mm -hmm. And like. Yeah. Exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. So it's a it's literally like an old I think ours is from Mystic Lake Casino. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a vinyl tarp that it's essentially the the um, a big billboard that it's been taken off the billboard sign and you know it's like a big vinyl tarp. How do you find something like that? Um, there is a website called BillboardVinyls.com that you can order them from. And they're like already used. So yep, they're the used. They've already they've been printed on. And there's a bunch of like local companies, I think, also that have billboards that, that they're always trying to get rid of them. So you might be even be able to find one for free. Okay. Um, instead of having to buy one, I would definitely <laughs> if you can if you can find a place like that that it makes even more sense um, than to buy one. But the yeah, it's at least you're reusing this, and they yeah. it does seem to hold up a lot longer and better. Like we've put that billboard now in I think five different footprints okay. <laughs> out in the fields, um, and it's still as good as new essentially. Um, versus that plastic, after like you know one season in two or three spots, it started to wear out and okay. like, it just breaks down. You started with. Like supposed to be used for solarization? Was it specifically? No, but it was just like it was just, like, it was just plastic. like plastic, like okay. you'd buy at the hardware store. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like six mil or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with the billboard vinyls, is there any consideration about like organic certification? So I don't know. I, I checked of, with. Like, yep. So we are certified organic farm. I was able to talk to my certifier about it, and they approved us using it for that. So. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. it seems like there's no problem with that. I mean, obviously you have to like, you can't leave it in the same spot forever. Right. Um, they want you to move it around, but yeah, no issues in terms of like, um, I don't think it's leaching anything or anything like that either. So it's, it seems like it's just a good thing to put down and suppress. Yeah. Weeds. 
uh, we also put it in a spot where we had like a lot of like a quack grassy grass um, that was, you know, kind of an issue I think with other um, weeds. And so we, we put it over that and it actually did a really good job killing the, that, that grass too. So that was nice. Okay. So I think it's, it's multi-species useful in terms of killing off things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of like the feasibility or the scalability mm -hmm. of this as a method, right. um, can you talk about costs a little bit? Both yeah. Of the, like the plastic you used and then the both Yeah, the plastic is definitely cheaper. Um, I think I spent about $75 for a 20 by 100 foot roll of plastic, um, which is about four cents a square foot. Um, the billboard is more expensive in terms of like, um, I think the one that I have was like $48. You can get them as big as 20 by 60 feet for 100 bucks. So it's maybe twice as expensive, like nine cents a square feet. But if you can reuse it for several years, I think it's a much better deal, a better investment to, to get the billboard. Um, obviously you're limited to that size, whatever size your billboard is or your tarp is, to how much room you can kill at a time and on an acreage field between. We have, we probably had an area last year that was um, maybe half an acre that was infested with thistles. And so that's why we tried the cover crops to try to smother them yeah. uh, on the areas where we didn't have the billboard. but. So I think in, in smaller areas it probably works is more effective than on a really big scale. But okay. if you want so to chip away at it, treatment approach for you know, really exactly the yeah. areas. Yep. Okay. And then in terms of I know you compared your labor a little bit mm -hmm. at the beginning, but like compared to just sort of like standard cultivation, and maybe that wasn't even working for you. Yeah, and that wasn't place. that wasn't really, and we we couldn't really afford to like. I mean, the, the, the things that I've worked at heard have been most effective about thistles are like plant it to alfalfa and then mow it every time it flowers for three years or something. It was like that. We didn't have that much time to invest into the, doing this, so we thought, like, for one season, we can just try and see what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems to have helped both the cover crops and the, the, the tarp. Okay. Um, for sure, it's, it's decreased the population quite a bit. Um, it's probably, you know, we're still going to have to be out there controlling it to some degree going yeah. forward but in the areas where we had the billboard it definitely and the plastic tarp definitely managed a lot of it for us which is nice okay nice so you would recommend doing it i would definitely recommend especially try if you have it. a small area that you want to try it on um and small i mean still like you know 20 by 60 feet that's still 1200 square feet that you can do at a time mm -hmm. um it's not like it's a 10 square foot or 100 square foot it's you can do a pretty big amount pretty reasonably so yeah okay and since you mentioned cover crops mm -hmm. um was that kind of your first exploration of using cover crops for weed control or um we use we use white dutch clover in all of our pathways because it will outcompete most of the weeds with repeated mowings so we use that a lot mm -hmm. i mean you know, probably half my field is cover cropped with white dutch clover at any given time this was the first time we had tried I guess other things besides the white Dutch clover in terms of um, you know, sorghum sudan grass and buckwheat. We've used those things for other kind of um, cover crop reasons, the, yeah. but but not specifically for just trying to smother stuff. So, okay. yeah. That's good. Well, maybe we'll interview in the future about <laughs> cover crop trials if you yeah. keep doing that. Yep, definitely. We'll we'll keep we'll keep playing with it for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay.
Any final thoughts you want to leave people with about solarization? I think it's definitely worth a try. It definitely helps. Um, there's a lot of talk of people using silage tarps out there too with a lot of success, so that'd be another material to look into trying as well. Okay, yeah, great. Well, thank you. Yep, thanks.